everybody to Way of the Blade, the podcast. I'm your host, Phil Schneider, author of Way of the Blade, 100 of the greatest bloody matches in professional wrestling history, and a writer on the Segunda Caída blog and for The Ringer. I am here with my uh, longtime friend, uh, David Bickensman, who is a writer for Fan Fight and Mel Magazine, and a pod, uh, esteemed podcaster in his own right with the Between the Sheets podcast, which is a, a phenomenon in wrestling podcasting. Um, and we, I've known David since he was like 11 or something like that. And we're going to talk about some pro wrestling. Today we're going to talk about uh, Genichiro Tenru versus Tatsumi Fujinami from April 29th, 1996 in the Tokyo Dome. David, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing okay. I think technically you've known me since I was 14 or 15, but close enough. It's been a long, long, long time. 20 plus years, probably. Yes. Oh, definitely. 20 plus. I mean, the Death Valley driver board was going on strong by late 99. And I think we were interacting some on RSPW and stuff before that. Oh, wow. Jeez. We are no, you, you're, you're no longer a young person and I am definitely no longer a young person. <laughs> no, no, no. Now, the first time I would have known of you, though, was from going on a computer at school and... I guess it would have been looking up wrestling stuff on Yahoo and seeing uh, your Mishinoku Pro fan page. Oh, right. I which I started that in college. Which I think some – weren't there a bunch of websites that mistakenly thought it was the official English Mishinoku Pro webpage? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I, think I've, I think I did get like some emails or something like that to that idea. And it's like, no, nah, I'm just a guy who – figured out how to make tiny video clips of great Sasuke dives and uh, wrote up <laughs> some biographies, which I think were mostly written by somebody else. I can't remember who wrote them so long ago, but it wasn't really me. Yeah. Uh, oh, could it have been, uh, I'm thinking with Mishinoku Pro, could it have been Stefan Pixie maybe that wrote the... Uh, I, I mean, possibly. Uh, I mean, you know, my memories, you know, I did a lot, I've had a lot of concussions over the years too, so... You know, but through sure. between well, foot, it's football, good for rugby, podcast, and boxing, so. my uh, my it's like my if you did a if you did a um, cat scan on my brain, it would look like a rotten banana. So I have a mem- memory. My memory for that kind of stuff was not as good as yours, uh, for sure. No. Um, so this match would have been good. Ninety six would have been around the time, right? This would have been around your RSPW period when I first started selling. I think one of the first tapes I ever sold was just a mix of Japanese TV stuff I recorded off Japanese uh, from a Japanese video store. And I'm pretty sure this match was on it because I know that Great Muda Hakushi, which is also in this book and also from this show, was definitely on it because I remember I did like a little shill post and uh, John D. Williams kind of was like, that match really wasn't very good. Don't overhype things. I was like, hey, the fuck is this asshole? Then you know, it's like an asshole who you know interacted with many times over the years past that well, point. Also, I remember John D. Williams's review of it in the Torch, and I remember him liking this match. Maybe, maybe not this match. I think the match he said I really overhyped was Hakushi Muda. Oh, that one. Yes. Okay. No, he didn't like that one. He didn't um, like that one. Well, this match is. I don't know. To, I honestly don't know how you couldn't like either of those matches. They're both incredible in very different ways. Yes, although th- this one, despite being part of Way of the Blade, is one of the matches in w- the Way of the Blade book that does not actually feature the blade. Right. There's a fair, there's actually a fair number of them um, because you know, like I've got all the I've got a bunch of shoot style uh, matches in the book that are that were we're assuming that are there were just uh, people open them up. 
normally. Yes. And uh, I guess to set the scene, I've got too, Bret we should Hart, mention, uh, Roddy Piper, okay. right? Bret Hart said he didn't blade. So. <laughs> well, at the time, he said he didn't blade. Right. Later, he said he blade. Um, but I, I think we should also just note before we get into the match, like, I think you'd agree with me on this. This is easily the best New Japan Tokyo Dome show of, like, the pre-Wrestle Kingdom era. Oh, in the post-WrestleMania era too. Let's say, come on. <laughs> well, I know you're not, but still, like the way they, st- even if you, d- you know what I mean, though. Like the way the shows were stacked and laid out were different in that era, regardless. Okay. They weren't trying to have classic matches throughout the card. You know what I mean? It wasn't wasn't as much of a WrestleMania type thing. Whereas here, you know, you have, you know, your big four matches of Muda. Shinzaki, uh, Liger Sasuke, Takata, Hashimoto, and Fujinami, uh, Fujinami Tenru are really, really strong. Yeah, and this was kind of like a, was it a, a, I, you know, I'm trying to remember the how it was billed at the time, but I mean, this was kind of them doing all uh, interpromotional stuff. Right, this is like an interpromotional Tokyo Dome show, right? Because you've got your main event is UWFI versus New yes. Japan. This is War versus New Japan. Liger Sasuke is Mikinoko Pro versus New Japan. Muda Shizaki is Mikinoko Pro versus New Japan. So it was kind of very similar to like uh, the the All Japan Women big shows, right? Where your big matches were all interpromotional stuff. And New Japan interpromotional wrestling is like some of the best stuff. Like when when New Japan is facing another promotion in some ways, that's like some of the best wrestling ever. Uh, it's just you have these kind of this kind of recklessness, whether it's New Japan versus War, New Japan versus UWF, or New Japan versus UWFI, or that time. Or even if they Masa fake Chodo. a new promotion, like you know, like New Japan Isolation Gun too. Right. Or it was that time Masachono uh, beat up Shoji Nakamaki. That wasn't as <laughs> oh, good. the big Japan feud. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't as good. <laughs> That, that was, was a that strange on this show? one, no, right? No, no. Uh, the Big Japan feud is the January fourth, ninety seven show, I believe. Okay. Uh, there's a, a match where Masahiro Chono squashes uh, Shoji Nakabaki with true contempt. It's just like beating the shit out of him and doesn't give him anything. It just kind of wipes the floor with him. Um, but so Fujinami uh, Tenro, this was this was a little after the war versus New Japan. Feud was like a huge thing, yeah. Right, this was a sort of still war versus New Japan, but you know, you're part of your New Japan war feud, which is like a huge part of uh, you know, one of the best things in wrestling history. Got a match from that in my book, too. Was was that 92? Would have been that period where you had, um, it was a little the, the, like that, the main New Japan war feud, is like very end of 92. Like, yeah, late, very late 92 into 93 and maybe very early 94. Yeah. They had, a, they had, they've had some, sing, had some singles matches. They had one in war. Excuse me. They had one in new Japan, um, before this, before the, they had wrestled singles matches against each other twice before, um, in the, in the night, in the nineties, obviously during their peaks in the eighties. Well, Ted peak was probably the nineties, but during like the eighties, they never weren't opposite promotions and never touched um but had some had some fun stuff in that war yes in that war versus new japan uh feud for sure yes and actually um i can add some context to this that i haven't actually read the thread yet but 
um, our friend Charles, you know, lost from pro wrestling only was telling me about, he finally reorganized on the pro wrestling only forum. Oh, I forget the name of the guy. Cause he has, he uses a different name on Twitter than he does on the board. But that guy who was doing that thread where he was doing translations of various Japanese wrestling books and okay, sure. history side articles, um, apparently so here's apparently why the new japan war feud happens um i didn't so i didn't read the actual thread so i don't know if this is from like a tenru book or what um so i guess this is after war is not working with wwf anymore at least for not continuously anymore tenru goes to baba and wants to work out a deal with baba to do war versus all japan Baba is up for it as long as Tenru bows to him, him and the whole crew and apologizes. And Tenru says, I will do that for you. I will not do that for everyone. And Baba refuses and he ends up working with New Japan instead. Now, also on topic, going back to 90, um, Apparently, one of the main reasons Tenru took the offer from SWS to be the big star and leave All Japan was that Baba refused to let him do this big double juice blow off he wanted to do with Jumbo because Baba knew that Jumbo had hepatitis B, but they hadn't told anyone. Oh, wow. That's yeah. that's cool. Man, I would have loved to see a double juice blow off with Jumbo in that period, nineteen ninety. I bet well, that was incredible. Maybe Obviously, not anymore. <laughs> you know, maybe well, you know, I wouldn't have gotten hepatitis for watching it. I'm just saying it would have been a really great match. <laughs> um, yeah. The uh, wow, that's cool. I got it. You know, the, I don't know. I do you think War versus All Japan in in the in the in that period ninety three period would have been better or worse than War versus New Japan? I think worse. I think it would have been worse because New Japan fits the heated promotion versus promotion style so much better. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Tenru, I mean, Tenru Kawada or Tenru Masao would have been, would have been tremendous, but Tenru Hashimoto was such a, you know, that was such an electric, perfect uh, opponents for each other, right? Like some of the best opponents for each other. You could, you put those two guys as dance partners against any two guys as dance partners ever almost. Right. So I don't, I don't, and I don't think 10 versus Kawada or Masao would have been as good. That That's my, I think the Kawada, I think the Kawada match would have worked. Um, oh, I think it would have worked. It, I mean, you know, these guys are just so, t- it were such, just wouldn't have had the same vibe. Yeah. It just wouldn't have, I don't know if it would have been, I mean, I can't imagine it not working. These guys were, were, you know, such, incredible talents that that well uh, and also they have the mentor protege thing that the others wouldn't have with i mean anyway. tenru quad had great matches you know five or six years later when during that period where tenru comes into comes into all japan well if we're talking about 92 then we're talking about like eight eight years later right eight years later yeah yeah so it's actually closer to a decade huh. but you know bring it back to this though one of the things I really noticed rewatching Tenru Fujinami was you can see the Tenru influence on Kawada here maybe more strongly than most Tenru matches. Oh, so what do you, 
What do you th- because of like the kicks to the face? Because he did that in a lot of matches. No, right? more like the the mannerisms and the you know the kind of stoicism and like when he gets hit in the eye and does more kind of like the Kawada style, like trying to be stoic. Ah, oh, god damn it, kind of selling. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, he is Tenor is tremendous. I think Tenor is the maybe the greatest. Bull- Let's we, so we talk a little about this match. So not very long. They kind of go after each other early, and obviously the key to this match is starts at around the three-minute mark where Fujinami knocks Tenru to the floor and goes for multiple tope. So he hits the first two, and then the third one, Tenru walks up to him and, and cuts him off by punching him in the face, and he explodes his nose. And that's where the blood comes in for the book, and, and, you know, and then the rest of the match is Tenru just obliterating Fujinami's disgustingly broken nose. It's great. Yes. It's so it's so sick. And I think Tenru's Tenru's like maybe the greatest blood in the water wrestler of all time. Where he just sees that where he can see that see a wound or see a weakness and just the glee and sick joy he gets out of opening that up and continuing. I mean just he's so great at that and he's such an he's such a bastard in this match. I am trying to find, I know I tweeted it at some point. There is a photo that I have in some Japanese wrestling book from this match that is gnarlier than any shot in the video in terms of the blood and how Fujinami looks. Uh, I can't find it right now. I will keep looking. Now, watching it the other day, I felt like the punch was not what broke the nose. Well, it's to a me, bad camera angle. You can't really see that well. It's your, well. Oh, no, on the second tope, you can't actually see the collision at all. Okay. Based on the camera angle. Right. No, you're right. But I, I'd have to go back to see if it's after the first or the second tope. I think it's after the second. He is rubbing his nose when he gets up after the second. Oh, okay. So you say so, the, the cutoff punch on the third one isn't what actually did it. It may have made it worse, though, because I mean, Tedra seems he's not dedicated to making it worse. <laughs> yes, <laughs> enthusiastically and, making it worse. I mean, and the, I mean that's the other thing too. Like, if you did not know this was not planned, you couldn't tell it wasn't planned because, like, Tenru's ability to call an audible here is amazing. Yeah, there I mean, is no hesitation. There is no. You know, oh God, what do we do? There's nothing like immediately. Well, Tedro knows what to do. He's like, oh, yeah, his nose is broken. The thing to do is punch him in the nose a lot, right? Like, Tedro's yes. perfect. I mean, he's, he's broken noses in other matches. He's a nose breaker, Tedro. <laughs> he breaks Shiga's nose or something like that, or in Noah. I, I think there's another match where he breaks somebody's nose. Oh, I'm sure there is. Yeah. You watch more SWS and more than me, so you, yeah. you, I mean, you would know for sure. Uh, oh, and for the record, I pulled it up on cage match. Nine minutes, 16 seconds. Was How long this match is? Yes, under 10-minute match here. Yeah. Which, I mean, for a dome show, too, is fairly normal because even Hashimoto Takata doesn't even go 13. It's 12.53. Learn, learn something from this. You don't need four-hour pay-per-views AEW. You can have something go 13 minutes. It's fine. Nine <laughs> minutes is fine. There's the, It's not like you watch this match and go, oh, you know, this needed another three minutes. No, it didn't. It needed exactly the amount of time it got, right? I mean, you know, everything doesn't have to be 20 minutes long. Yes. 
Although in a very undome show thing for this era, the uh, Muda Shinzaki is the longest match at 1944. It's only 17 seconds longer than Liger Sasuke. Okay. So you have a juniors match on this show getting like a lot of spotlight in a way they didn't always in this era. You know, yeah. usually they're kind of down the card. And if they're not down the card, they're not getting much time. You know, here, you know, dead heat for the longest match on the show. Oh, and there was more interpromotional that we forgot about. Randy Savage versus Tenzan and Chono versus Luger. Oh, some, some WCW, NWO Japan stuff, right? Or has this been up before that? This is pre-NWO. Oh, pre-NWO. Yes, okay. yes. This was uh, also uh, the show that featured the debut of the Triple Warriors of uh, the Road Warriors and Power War. Oh, nice. Who are they, Russell? Uh, Steiners and Scott Norton. I don't remember that match. It's kind of intriguing, honestly. It is. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like on paper. I'm like, oh, that's... Those are six guys. I thought that yeah, match I imagine was that, pretty stiff. <laughs> yes, that's some big, mean men slapping Yeah, meat. sure. Um, which, okay, so, which also... I feel like I had thought of this before, but I never really verbalized it. One of the things I noticed watching this back, too, is that Tenor's chops feel like... It seems like he's trying to make each chop on someone else look and feel like how chopping him would look like. Like, he, he really leans hard into getting that chopping a leather couch effect. <laughs> yeah, he's got great chops. You know, and there are, there are no more leather couchy wrestlers in wrestling history than Flair and Tenra. Yeah. He's, he's, Which he's is probably good. why they love working together. He's a great. I mean, really, he is a he is a great chopper. He's got some of those incredible jabs, which are even grosser because it's. Have you ever broken your nose, David? Uh, thankfully, no. Okay. Yeah, I did. Um, I did during my boxing days uh, when I was much younger than I am now, and I uh, I uh, was sparring with a. He was a Secret Service agent. And it's big, six three or something like that, six four. But it, this is a period where I've been training a lot longer than him, so I was more skilled. Mm. So I was sparring with him in the gym, and I started to get a little like was you know take uh, getting the best of this guy, and I decided to throw a feint, uh, like a little head feint. I don't know why I did that. That wasn't the way I fought at all. Like I mean, it's like five, I, and he just uh, straight right down the middle. Of the, you know, we had headgear on, just straight down the middle, and just smashed my nose. Only time I've in my entire boxing career I was ever knocked off my feet. Um, and, uh, you know, I got up and, and just like started spraying blood all over the, the mat. Uh, mat. And actually was training for the Golden Gloves. And I had a fight like in a week. And I decided with all the idiot hubris of like a 23 year old that what I would try to do was just go ahead and fight anyway and see if I could knock my opponent out before he hit me in the face. Um, and it almost worked. I caught him like really, you know, like very early with like a really good combination, which stunned him. And then he, he clinched. And as he clinched, his shoulder rubbed up against my nose. And then as we broke after the clinch, I looked like, uh, Fujinami in this match and they stopped it. I don't think he landed a punch on me, but won by like TKO. Um, so yeah, I, it's, it sucks to get your nose broken. I imagine Fuji, this had to really suck for Fujinami is to keep going in this with it. This just like leaking and spraying and yuck. 
Yes. And, uh, okay. So in looking around Twitter, trying to see if I can find where I tweeted that photo, I found a Chris Charlton tweet from, when is this? May 2019 from a talk that Tenru and Fujinami did with Weekly Pro Wrestling. I guess that had just come out. It quotes Fujinami as saying, I was mid-tope and you just punched me in the face on the way down. My nose shattered. And then Tenru replies, I wasn't really thinking, just fist out by instinct. It really caught you. Felt pretty good. And then he laughs. <laughs> such a dick. But, I mean, you can see you can see Fujinami rubbing his nose though before that third dive attempt. So I think he's hurt before that, but I'm guessing that the punch just is what exploded the nose. Yeah. Maybe it was already broken, but that's what took it from broken to Rory McDonald. Yeah, I mean, it, I, this had to be the kind of thing that just like Fujinami never slept the same. You know what I mean? Like instant apnea, yeah. right? Like, I mean, it's just kind of like, it's just kind of thing. I mean, I, I, I never slept the same <laughs> after getting my nose broken. I eventually needed, I actually got, I mean, I got surgery on my nose years and years, like not like four years ago, you know, 15, 17 years after it happened. But like, and I, you know, it, 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 when you get your, it smushed like that, you're just like always, it, you're never, you never recover fully from something as gross as that. Uh, and you know, Fujinami's a tough motherfucker, though. He just keeps going and keeps getting at it and doesn't, you know, doesn't even, there's no, at no point does he ever stop fighting and at no point, and, uh, you know, and Tenru certainly does not take it easy on him. Um, no, and also we need to say, too, like, not that he was bad, but this is post-back injury Fujinami, and, you know, he, he had great matches in the 90s, but he had also kind of been phased out into legend on the card status by yeah. for the most part by this point yeah i mean that's so what this, this kind of felt like when you were when you first watched it oh this is your old guys match and but you know then you actually started watching you're like holy shit these two fucking old guys what are they doing right so it's also kind of fascinating to watch because it seems like with doing the topes and stuff like even before the injury fujinami it seems like does want to make it more than that you yeah, know, I mean, it's the Tokyo Dome, trip. right? There's, this is how many yeah. people are in the, in the crowd, probably? 60,000? Well, I'm sure they said that. Yeah. I mean, you know, Tedro, obviously, his, he had a, his prime as a wrestler came when he was pretty old. He didn't start wrestling until he was 27. Right. And didn't get good until he was in his mid-30s, probably, right? Uh, let me refresh my memory. on the Because he starts... When seventy six? Yeah. Is it something like that? Uh, let me look at let me look at his Wikipedia. Okay, he is born February nineteen fifty. Okay, debuts November seventy six. So he debuts before he's twenty seven, and then yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say he's consistently really good until eighty three, eighty four. Yeah, it's about right. Yeah. Like, he's not bad, but he's... He's uh, not Tenro. I mean, honestly, you can really say, like, until he's in the black trunks and the yellow boots, he's not Tenro as we know him. Right. You know, yeah. if it's purple trunks Tenro, you know, he might have some good matches with Jumbo and, you know, some people in tags or whatever. 
but he hasn't figured out his style yet. And I think his peak was in, in war. Like the war run was his peak, I think, as a wrestler when you know when that stuff was in his forties, right? Yeah, you know he's he's wrestling to his strengths, you know, always in SWSN war. That's the thing. Like it's it's a they are promotions that where the you know the upper card style is built in his image. It's a great image to build it in. I mean, I, you know, it's like, what did, I mean, I, war heavyweight wrestling is, is the best. I just love it so much. You know, like all of those guys, Takashi Ishikawa and Hara and Kabuki and, you know, just, that stuff's just great. Just, you know, simple, hard hitting, violent, intense. I, it doesn't get any better than that stuff. I just love it so much. Um, and yeah, I, I, I just, I, that kind of simplistic violent wrestling is my thing. It's, you know, one of the reasons I, I love that Danielson Moxley match from the pay per view so much. I mean, that was kind of warish, right? Like when you're watching that, that felt maybe a little, maybe more mat work than a war heavyweight match is going to have. Right, but, but in that same, still, in that in that vein, right? Uh, because it's Kingston it's Jericho a hard too. No, it's a well, yeah, but it's because it's well, Kingston Jericho was more just like '90s All Japan style, but maybe at a little bit of a faster pace. Um, Moxley Danielson, right. It has a lot more mat work, but it's at their heart. They're still hard nosed, violent wrestling matches. Right. Which, right. It's just, that's the, but, the best by the way, stuff. That's the best stuff, right? <laughs> like you, that's, that's the cool stuff. I'm actually surprised that you, you like this match because this, as much as you did and kind of picked it as the match you wanted to do when we sort of discussed this is because I know you're somebody who, cares a little bit more about uh, safety and propriety in per- wrestling performance than, you than do, I do. For sure. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I know the, the you don't like the Daisuke Ikeda Yuki Ishikawa match was in the book. You don't like that match, right? Obviously, I love it. It's a, I, I wrote a piece I mean, of my book well, about okay, it, but I know you were like, this is, is this even wrestling? These guys are just hitting each other as hard as they can. And I'm like, yes, is this even wrestling? These guys are just hitting each other as hard as they can. You know, like it's a very different reaction to what the, to, to our, to what was going on here. Well, remember though, even like back at like peak battle arts fandom time, I was always more of an Alexander Otsuka, Minoru Tanaka, Akuto Hadaka guy than you. In yeah. the first place. I mean, Otsuka's amazing. Well, there too. <laughs> right, but you get what I'm saying. Like, I was always more into... I mean, I was into more of some of the shoot, more shoot-style battle art stuff. But what drew me to battle arts was the... How do I put this? The weird shit where they're doing other styles but pacing it like a shoot-style match. Do you know what I mean? Sure. That kind of stuff was what really drew me to so battle me, arts. But this is a really place. unprofessional match by Tedra. Is it though? Because yikes! Toking him with a broken nose. <laughs> but Tenru's punches don't always look like he's actually throwing full force punches, shoot know. punches. At the, you know what I mean? I don't know. He's not. What, what is happening to Fujinami's face? Well, here's the thing, though, and you know, you said I mentioned this briefly before we started recording. You said to save it for when we were recording. There is a point in the match where Tenru very obviously does not want to make the injury worse because when he starts doing vertical suplexes and stuff like that, 
he never goes down with Fujinami. It looks like he is deftly afraid of landing on Fujinami's face and making that's the what it is. Which tenders is like I'm not taking any bumps. <laughs> I mean, that's how it's I that's how I took it. I was like, I'm not taking bumps. I'm just gonna fucking ten- throw suplexes and tenders- drop them. But Tenru's not a, you know, I, I'm not wearing my knee pad, so I don't have to bump today, brother type. Like, I, I, to me, that felt like him not wanting to risk landing on him and making the injury worse, I guess. Which You're giving him more credit than I am for, for being a nice guy. I think it's probably just like, I'm just going <laughs> to pick him up and throw him down. <laughs> but also, how weird is it that the two big, bloody Fujinami matches, both of which are in the book... Are both just accidental injuries? Yeah, I don't know. Is he a guy who blades a lot? I don't really remember him blading a lot. Now, Efrain, uh, is the Maeda match a broken nose or an orbital? No, he gets like he gets like hit on the temple. He gets his temple. Oh, cut he gets with knocked. A kick. Oh, okay, like, it, the he kick just slices his not- temple. Are you sure he doesn't break anything? I mean, I don't. I thought he. I thought I, that's why they. I thought that's why they go home early. That it wasn't the blood loss. That it was the injury. I mean, maybe I don't know. It, it looks like he gets kind of caught in his te- caught in his temple, and that's why he just starts bleeding really, really badly. Yeah, when I think of other bloody Fujinami, is there a Ryuma Go match from the Junior Title Feud where he bleeds? I mean, maybe I don't remember it. I mean, certainly could be, but. It's been I, a long time since I've watched those. I mean, by, I don't really remember. Way, the, I mean, this is these are the two bloody Fujinami matches I remember, right? Yeah, they're both injury blood rather than blade blood. But yeah, for people who only know Ryuma Go as, you know, the comedy wrestler with the gambling problem fighting the aliens, he was a fantastic wrestler. Yeah, he was great. You know, as as a guy just feuding with Fujinami over the... WWF Junior Heavyweight Title. Okay, I'm looking at I don't think Google anybody drive. knows Rio Mago is the other thing either anymore. You know, that was 25, 20 years ago. They don't even know that what CM Punk's entrance music means. I mean, much less knowing the fuck Rio Mago is. Well, I mean, people who are listening to this might know. Oh, okay, that's true. I, I'm looking on a Google Drive where I have, uh, well, where someone we know has at least two of the. Uh, Ten uh, Fujinami Ryuma Go matches. Okay, this one is not bloody. And then this one. Let's see. Because I remember, I remember there being one. I remember there being some like wild match between the two of them. Maybe it's not on here though. Yeah, it's not one of these. Yeah, I, I'm just. But, I'm looking at this match as we're talking. There's a great moment where Fujinami's starting to make a comeback, and Tedra cuts it off by just palm striking him right on the tip of his bloody nose I, yes. i'm not buying your isn't he protecting him i just saw him do that <laughs> it's like ah oh, fuck i mean you when you have your nose broken even any contact on it hurts like hell much less some guy palm striking you right on the tip of your nose that's not even a 10 room move you know who does he what does he ever throw palm strikes he just decided to do it this match because uh and he does drop an elbow right in his face too no you're i'm protecting you thing i'm calling bullshit on that I'm watching this. There's nothing protecting about this at all. He's he's mangling his face. Okay, fine. If you I, say think, so. I think these are just. I think those suplexes are just like I'm just gonna fucking throw you like a sack of shit. You uh, think he's just disdainfully working heel? Yeah. It's like I'll just pick you up and toss you down. 
Okay, I'm watching the topes again now. First one. I mean, it looks like he might have even gotten hurt on the first one because he kind of overshoots him. I kind of wonder. I think I might even see a trickle of blood. It looks like he might have scraped his nose against the top of his head overshooting him. Okay, you know what? Now I think I see what he's talking about. I think Tenru's hand is out on the catch for the second tope. Oh, okay. So he so that's where he and, breaks it. And then they audible to a punch, so it looks like he did it on purpose. That's maybe okay, that. let's see. So here's the second tope. Maybe not. I don't know. But let me see. There's gonna be a spot here where you see him touching the nose. Yeah, there we go. And right after he rolls back in the ring, he touches the nose, looks, and Okay, that's when the camera uh misses the shot because a photographer gets in the way. He's definitely hurt because he's rubbing the nose before, but it's hard to tell exactly how it happened. Interesting. I, I mean, I just always assumed that he hit him, but I guess the Sapruder filming of it, maybe you saw the guy in the with the umbrella. Equivalent of the guy with the umbrella, the original <laughs> moment where he does it. I mean, it, well, you know, I guess it doesn't really matter, right? I mean, it, like the art. If if he did audible the cut punch, uh, cut off because Fujinami's nose is already broken, they didn't want it to look like an accident. That's a really smart bit of wrestling, by Oh yeah, absolutely. Tenro or Fujinami. The, since you can't at all see them calling anything, you know, you, there's there's no real respite from the action where you could see that happening. Something else I noticed, and oh, that's right, the blood is very quickly smeared all over Tenru's chest. Jesus Christ, that first kick he hits him with. Yeah, he's still, are you still protecting, still protection is your claim after that kick? It's <laughs> still like, I, what a good what, dude, though? making sure that his 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 friend is going to be okay? No, he's a fucking asshole. He's going to try, he's going to mangle this guy's face. <laughs> I, the, the I blood on Tenru's chest. But he probably had, he probably has more trust in his ability to protect him on a stiff kick or punch than he does falling in a suplex, though. Okay. <laughs> now, something else I did notice watching this, which never really hit me before, is, you know, look, they're heavyweights, but Fujinami is not a large-framed guy. He's a He is a blown-up junior heavyweight. Holy shit, it is Tiger Hattori a tiny man? Yeah. <laughs> He does look a like, lot smaller. I never though. really noticed it before. But yeah, like, you wouldn't really... Yeah, he's oh, like Bryce Remsburg-stized or something like that, right? It's Or uh, or yeah. Brian Hildebrandt-sized guy. Yes. Also, one, like, one of the spots I normally hate watching a lot of wrestling is when someone just lets go of a submission. Here, when Fujinami lets go of the figure four, it looks like it's because he can't breathe because of the blood. Because the blood is shooting out of his nose onto his chest. And Tedris, too. As he's in the figure four. This dripping blood. And the same thing with the sleeper. It's like the the act of trying to put on the dragon sleeper and, like, cinch it in makes the blood in his nose spray more. I'm getting like yes. I'm getting like flashbacks from when I broke my nose watching this match. I'm like I'm getting almost like sympathetic. It's like oh god, I remember how much that hurt. <laughs> I remember how gross oh, it was. I was working at the time for the Brain Injury Association as a temp, 
and I was coming into the brain injury association, coming to the brain injury association with like a clearly broken nose and two black eyes. And these, all these nice older ladies at the brain injury association were like handing me pamphlets on the damage of boxing. It's just like, you know, it's like, it's like, some, it's like tapping for the American Lung Association coming in, stinking of Marlboros, coming into the brain injury association with two black eyes and an obviously broken. I was, I didn't even think I had health insurance. So I think I just had to like, the, a lady, a doctor at the Brain Injury Association, look at my nose like the next day at work. It's like, hey, could you take a look at this? See if I'm gonna what what I need to do. And it's like, that's not really you do really do for a broken nose. It's just gonna heal. Yeah, you have also never seen a New Japan match before where the other wrestlers at ringside looked as concerned as they do during this one, <laughs> right? Like, you had where the... Otani and Koshinaka just look like, is he gonna be okay? Right, I mean, it is. This has got it in the interpromotional thing too. You got like, you know, uh, I guess Kitahara is there in the ward stuff hanging out, and so you know they're concerned not just because of Fujinami, but all of injury, but also you know it's like this is an enemy organization is coming in and and mangling and brutalizing one of the icons of our promotion. I mean, Fujinami has also, moments in this match, but. Right, you and know, get chopping him in the throat too, and yeah, Tenru fucks him up in this match. I mean, Tenru, Tenru, <laughs> when he's in a match against a guy who's not in his, not in the same promotion as he is, is, is like he's a he's a killer. I mean, I, like I said, I have a war match. Um, I've got one of the war tags on my in my book too, and I mean, those just all of those are incredible. I could have done five or six of those if I wanted to, uh, not mix it up. I've got. Choshu Hashimoto versus Tenru Shikawa, but I, mean, I think there were some other ones that also had blood in them, uh, too. Yeah. This is also the, the most blood you'll ever see someone get on their opponent relative to the amount of blood. Because there's not that much blood, relatively speaking. The the amount of blood that flows here isn't that much, you know what I mean? Like, relative to if he had just, you know, taken a bunch of aspirin and niacin and a half a beer and gigged. Right. But and because it's coming from his nose and at times springing out, it's all over Tenru's face and chest and legs. And it's just everywhere. Not necessarily in huge quantities, but it's still everywhere. Yeah. It's real gross, real gross. The best <laughs> kind of way. Uh, I mean, it exactly. is, it, it's super stuff. I mean, it's just, is it, this is the best match on that show, right? Or is it Hashimoto Takata? I think it's this. It's one of the two. I'd have to rewatch that one. That one I haven't watched in a long time. Um, I mean, it's definitely that one. I, mean, I gotta, I gotta watch that Steiner's match again. Maybe it was that one. <laughs> well, that that's pro- I gotta think that's the best of the Takata return New Japan matches. But holy shit, he just spit out like blood into the air and it looked like Muda mist. Yeah. I mean, you get a lot, you swallow a lot of blood when you have a broken nose. Oh yeah. I mean, now also too, like I'd have to think what else would come close. Cause it granted, he doesn't do that much of in this match. This might be the best Fujinami striking performance I've ever seen too. Yeah. I mean, he hits the guy like he's being hit like your appropriate level of uh, a guy who breaks your nose like that, that's an appropriate level of hitting him. 
but he's also mixing it up. There's one point he's throwing punches, and he just starts slapping the hell out of him. At one point, he's trying to slow the match down by low-kicking him. Like, it's not really what you expect out of Fujinami, necessarily, as, you know, this legendary technical wrestler, but it really makes it work. And I, I think this was kind of how I'm he curious worked. what else. This is kind of how he worked Tenra. I mean, this yeah, is, this well, is kind of how their other matches were worked too. I mean, this is this is this is uh, interpromotional Fujinami. Yeah, I guess so. You know, this and is, yeah, now he's training in the uh, Dragon Sleeper, and yeah, at this point in the match, the blood is basically covering the entire middle of his face. Yeah, which I always okay. So I've always found that something I feel like something look like that looks more gross. Than a Tommy Rich head to toe blade job, where you can see it coming from, yeah, like wounds from other places, right? Well, I not think, even I think just I, that. I, I think you're because you're so used to, you're so used to seeing a blood in pro wrestling look of a specific way, right? Like you know, you're used to the coming from the hairline and coming down. You know, like that's what pro wrestling blood looks like. So when you see something like this, or when you see something coming from somebody's arm or Vader's back in the Sting match, it's just like, oh, this is the it, this isn't the way it's supposed to look. You know what I mean? Like I'm not familiar. This is I'm not familiar with how this this is, is. It's the oddness of it I think that makes it look worse. Well, also that it's not just like a. It's not just like a Frankie Edgar bloody nose, even. That uh, there is so much, and it is spraying out so much that it's like the middle of his face, with his forehead and like his jaw being relatively clean. Yeah, like it just looks wrong. I mean, I, and also we get the slaps after the match too, yeah. which are, are amazing. Yeah, it's wrong. I mean, that's kind of the. The, what makes it so great <laughs> is the wrongness of it. I mean, it's a those are a, it's a pair of pretty cool bloody matches from the show. I haven't done a, but somebody might have to do a pot on Fujin on on, uh, on Shinzaki Muda, which is a very different kind of match. So very theatrical, and this is very like you know the minimalist versus maximalist, right? This is a minimalist match. That match is all about posturing and you know art, you know, like moments rather than structure. And, oh, Muda finger painting when uh shinzaki's blood on the sh on shinzaki's wooden sign yeah yeah totally like very very like uh baroque in a way that it's, it's it's like the i'm sorry i love you of new japan bloodbaths yeah exactly that was, that was before that got ruined they kind of somebody's <laughs> kind of ruined broke wrestling like now it's the worst Ugh. There's nothing worse than broke wrestling, but back then you could kind of do it in a way that looked cool. I feel like there are ways to do it if you don't go all the way into like the Shawn Michaels style of it. Yeah, because I, I feel like that's just a I feel like that's just a very specific subset of it, and the problem with it is just I feel like Michael, it, both with his own matches and then later in NXT, it felt like he saw something that worked and he had done a little bit of similar stuff beforehand, but not a lot. And even if it is melodramatic, I do think the flair match, the finish there does work. I mean, I won't say who, but there is a wrestler that you will like a lot that 
told me either that night or the next morning that they thought that they thought it was the greatest finish they'd ever seen in wrestling. And it's someone who would probably surprise you. But then he just keeps going back to that. Well, and, and you can oh, do it with, it with some of the WrestleMania Flair, but can you do it in the second match of a five match Tommaso Ciampa? Johnny Gargano feud. I mean, it's a different thing, right? Like if you just keep right. doing it over and over again, and things where that isn't Ric Flair's retirement match, right? Like, right, or the or when he's the referee in the second triple, you know, well, the third technically, but the Triple H Undertaker, Hell in a Cell, and just the whole match is them arguing, uh, you know, about whether or not it's time to kill the Undertaker, and it's. Like, oh, what was it? Was it uh, was it Dylan Hales who called it a match about an old gay couple debating whether or not to euthanize their pet? <laughs> That's a great line. <laughs> but it's he he just didn't seem to get that it was circum that that I'm sorry I love you was so specific to it being Ric Flair's retirement match. Right. And and yeah. that's what made it work, and it just didn't work otherwise. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, too, and I, I, I hope I explain this the way that I mean it. When he would, when he would infuse uh, homoeroticism into his storylines, he didn't seem to realize it. Sure, and, and it, as a result, stuff became very awkward. As a result, like, like, like the last Champa Gargano match with the hand holding spot. Like, I get what he meant it as. I get, but it did not come off as that. And you know, it's like the whole joke everyone's had. Like, you know, like the way that feud went. And what was it? What was it? It was someone a fan by it that said it should have ended with the two ended with the two of them boning down was I believe the term <laughs> that was used. But it's like, and I've seen people say like, "Oh, you're being homophobic about it." Like, no, if we want them to fuck, then we're definitely not being. Homophobic. <laughs> sure, <laughs> I you know I I certainly. But you get what I'm saying? It's like no, he's so unaware I mean, of it. I mean, one of the things that you know, my, the new job that I have, uh, you know. It requires me, I can't ignore things the way I just ignored things. So it's like, you know, like Adam Cole, Gargano, that whole thing. I just ignored that. I just was like, this, I, this, I'm not. Right, but now you're doing the best matches of the week. So it's like, okay, I have to, I have to watch the Adam versus Adam match where all the fans are having fun chanting about how they're both named Adam. I mean, and I did, I did, I did the green room, uh, the Spotify green room post show on the Ringer podcast network. I was on that. I had to watch that whole thing. Uh, you know, and I would, I just can't, I don't have the luxury to just kind of go, I'm going to skip it. I'm going to skip well, okay, it this so week. So what did you think of that match though? Because I thought it greatly exceeded my expectations in part know, because they I, were just beating the shit out of each other. I guess I was just, I was, that's such a long show. It's such a well, long yeah. show. And I, I just have, I just am indifferent. So indifferent to Adam Cole. I just, he just doesn't engage. I'm not engaged with him at all. I'm not interested in what he's doing. I'm just, and, and so I, Paige is somebody who I've kind of turned a, a little bit of a corner on when he's bleeding a lot. But like a bloodless Adam Page trying to do that kind of like NXT New Japan style match, I just, I just, at some point, I was just, I kind of zoned out. I, I do like, like Cole okay, a lot better but, now though because he's not doing the Michael stuff anymore. I guess he's still like a 
pencil arm dude who throws 50 super kicks. You know, he doesn't do the faces anymore, but it's not like that's improved the rest of his wrestling matches. Uh, well, but you know, like, look, and hey, he still does the stupid bunny hop. Oh, my the God, the worst. <laughs> he did he do that 10 times in that match. How many of those that he hit? I mean, the Canadian destroyer is a say, dumb move any normal under normal circumstances, but, uh, you know, the adding the little hop before it, yikes. Yeah. So yeah, didn't love it. Oh, I, I, I didn't, I I didn't like and maybe I would have liked it more if it wasn't the, it wasn't our three forty five of a show. Right. I mean, you know, right. this, the show is so I do long. like though that he doesn't do the, uh, the little stutter set before the super kick though, that I hate when people do it, which I actually, now that I think about it, I, you know, even with the butts there, like it is a fairly super kick heavy promotion. That must be more of a WWE thing because I feel like we don't see people doing the little weird stutter step that looks terrible before every super kick in AEW. Yeah, they have a lot of super kicks. They, that's the thing, your AEW thing, in the sense that you should probably, they should probably, uh, they need to, they need somebody to to go over the planned spots a little more, so you're not just repeating things on a long show like that. Like there shouldn't yeah. be there shouldn't be seven guys doing super kicks. Let, let and us, there shouldn't be two matches with belt shot false finishes. Either. Yeah, or you know they should let somebody do in a big apron spot, but not have everyone do a big apron spot. I mean, I get it. It's like a different, very different, uh, a very different. Um, you know, the WWE is very, very much an agented promotion, and most of the guys in AEW are coming from places where they weren't having that. Right? That's not the experience of. Of uh, of a lot of these indie guys is the way they were taught to wrestle. Yeah, and they do have, I mean, they do have people agenting the matches, though. Right. You know, and with, you know, uh, let's see, off the top of my head, you know, Billy Gunn, Jerry Lynn, uh, Sanjay Dutt, A Steel's there now. Um, I forget if BJ Whitmer does any traditional agenting or not. I mean, listen um, to the list of names, right? Those are all guys who yeah. grew up in the same era as, you know, where they... Well, and Billy Gunn. And, and, and weirdly, Billy Gunn. Outside of Billy Gunn, though, like, um, I didn't realize they had all three of your uh, Second City Saints in AEW. You know, I know they have two of them. Um, well, that, I, no one, I don't think anyone had mentioned it to me until Tony, and then Tony mentioned it at the press scrum on Sunday. So, Ace Steel's there now, too, so that's cool. Um feel like am i forgetting anyone i mean well i know caban is also a producer to some degree so he he's agenting stuff but yeah you're right it's not for the most part it's not people who are who would have be like wwe style guys agenting the match but also you know billy gunn for whatever you think of his in-ring work although i've warmed up to him some with like this late run with his sons by all accounts, is a freaking amazing trainer and producer. Really? Okay. Yes. Like, I I have only heard going back to when he was in NXT, like the mo- the biggest like raves and most laudatory comments about him. Okay, I did not know that. That's interesting. I, I don't have I don't have a giant opinion of Billy Gunn one way or another. But that's a. I mean, I imagine that they're. Yeah, I mean, you know, that, that was a great pay per view. It just had you know there was some things. That you know, I, I probably, you know, I could have they could have shaved four minutes off of every match, and it would have been outside of the the Sting Darby Allen match could have and could have made every every match a little shorter. Probably would have been better. Uh, maybe not I, keep I, I think, well, I, I think the I think the TBS title match 
went about right too, okay. going a little under seven. All right, sorry. But I mean, I, I think I said this on Twitter. It's like I really like CM Punk MJF, but you know, it was nine, eight, eight or nine minutes longer than Piper Valentine. It's like it probably right. should have been. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't. You should. Oh, we forgot Arn, by the way. Oh, as far as okay, Arn is Arn, Arn is from a, the the appropriate era. Um, yes, but. Uh, as for uh, Fujinami and Tenryu, so <laughs> I know this is how this podcast. This how the podcast goes. What is your what's your favorite all time favorite Tenryu match? Ooh. I would say as a singles. I forget. Is it the first Jumbo match in '87 or the second? The one that ends with the DQ. Where I think I forget if it's he he's just hauling off on Jumbo in the corner or vice versa, but that the June '89 with Jumbo or I would say maybe the you know well the the '88 Tag League Finals with Kawada against Hanson and Gordy or I would I guess the G198 match with uh, Hashimoto. Yeah, I it's probably one of it's. I think it's that one for me, or maybe the some of the war New Japan stuff. This is my my like the tag I did in the book with um you know uh, Hashimoto and and Choshu against Ishikawa and Tenro. I, I just I think it's like a perfect match. Um, I, I love it so much, and I just just that whole thing of Tenro just being this absolute like killer. Just coming in, trying to just tear everybody to shreds, just like he was in this match, right? He was just trying to tear everyone to shreds, trying to injure everybody's wrestling, and just being like this sort of whirlwind force of nature is is my favorite stuff. I, I, he's the greatest. He's like one of my favorite yes. wrestlers of all time. Um, and you yes. know, it isn't. And I, I probably should rewatch some of that '80s All Japan stuff because, like, the tenor in my mind is my favorite wrestler of all time. Isn't All Japan tenor? Like when I think of him, it's War Tenro. It's it's Noah Tenro. It's like even you know, it, it's like old man Tenro. It's forties, fifties Tenro, not thirties Tenro. Yeah. Oh, uh, I forgot. The, I forgot some of the Choshu tags too. Um, the Jumbo Tenro versus uh, Choshu and Yatsu, the Broken Ribs match, and also uh, Jumbo and Tenro versus Choshu and Masa Saido. The like the one big match that Masa Saido has in that feud before he has to go back to the states and stand trial and go to prison. Oh, so that's the sort of story there. He was in the in there for a little bit, and then had to. How long was he in jail for? A couple of years, right? Uh, it was. I think it was less than Patera, because I think Patera gets out on good. I mean, I think Saido gets a little bit of good behavior thrown in, but it's. I don't think he's out till like early '87, maybe. Uh, yeah, um, something like that, and. Um. When Saido passed away, um, Fumi Saido said on his podcast, you know, no relation, but, you know, longtime Japanese wrestling journalist and historian Fumi Saido said on his podcast that, was it, I think, someone on Japan? Someone back in, the advice everyone was giving him was to basically surrender his, forget if he was on a work visa or a green card or what, but was to basically surrender it and go back to Japan and not fight the charges or or anything. Right. And he was like, no, I've made a life for myself here. 
Because he never really he wrestled. In, does he ever yeah. wrestle in America? I guess he does an AWA in, in 1990, right? In a little bit he does WCW. That. And he has the WCW match at, uh, matches at Starcade at the end of the year, but I think that's about it. So he doesn't really, you know, continue to be booked in America particularly. Because that AWA run no. wasn't long, right? How long was that AWA run? It, feels, it doesn't feel like more than a couple of months. I think they do the title switch in very late 89, and then he loses it back as Abisco on the mid-February 90 Dome show. And yeah. I don't think he's back in AWA after that. Yeah. Which... By the way, and I don't mean this as a slight on either guy, especially because I think you and I are pretty high voters on Zabisco. That is a match that's like shockingly great. Because you don't expect like this mid-card, middle-age wrestler, like token foreign world title match to be close to as good or as heated as it is. Yeah, it's really good. Well, Zabisco is, he's great. Uh, I mean, he's just a really great wrestler. I, there's, I think he's one of the more underrated uh, by like wrestling fans who have people have an opinion on Larry Zbysko. I think that he's like one of the more underrated guys ever. Right? I think Even, less than he used to be. I don't think, but you know what? I think it's more that people aren't negative on him anymore. But you still don't see people being as positive about him. Yeah. But I mean, goddamn! I mean, the, the, even the even that Regal feud, like a little, you know, when he's basically retired. He's incredible yeah. in that. That's the stuff so good. Um, maybe yeah, he's he, even really good in the Bischoff match. Yeah, I was at that live. Oh, I, really? Yeah, that's I remember. Right, that's in DC. It was in DC. I remember. I remember my main takeaway from that show was because that was a show that you know was the Sting show, and so part of right. the, the the celebration of it is that they were going to have and they had the virtually the entire roster sitting in the crowd watching. Yes. And I remember like looking around during that Zabisco Bischoff match and thinking, God, look at the absolute God level of pro wrestling, world class pro wrestling talent sitting in street clothes watching fucking Eric Bischoff do karate, right? Like, you know, oh, there's Fish <laughs> Finley, there's, you know, there's Psychosis, there's Old Dandy. There's like all these amazing wrestlers just kind of hanging out in the audience, you know. Not on the card. There's Larry's. There's uh, Eric Bischoff doing a crane kick. It's just like Jesus Christ. <laughs> and then after the main event, Sting is celebrating, and Laparka is like right up in there, yeah. hugging Sting, and and then Sting for some reason decides to yell out in Spanish. Yeah, Laparka. Laparka's another guy, right? Laparka's at that show. I'm like at the show going, I can't watch LaParka wrestling. Could put LaParka on the fucking show? Because <laughs> that was a show that had like no good matches either. Really? Like that Starcade yeah, was like the... all, sh- all shit for the most part. Even they, it was like the worst Guerrero Malenko match. Um, I think it was oh, because the... wasn't that the one that was like Malenko had to like get on our like private plane from his wife giving birth or something? Yeah, maybe. Although apparently, Something you, know, like that. you know, Eric is, uh, Eric's working on a, a WCW book. Uh, yes. and, um, and he's, he is, he's why well, So he's rewatching all of it. He is like very low on Dean Malenko. Uh, so like your, the revisionist history on that book is going to be like, yeah, he's going to be, you know, talking about how the Disco Inferno, uh, Dean Malenko matches is like, hi, it's finally somebody could carry Malenko. It's gonna be his takeaway. <laughs> apparently, it's like oh, I could just finally get in there. Like Disco Inferno can carry this guy a little bit. 
Oh, there's another uh, XWWE road agent in AEW we forgot about, too. Disco Inferno? No, Malenko. They got your Disco Inferno? Oh, yeah, Malenko. <laughs> no, if you want to see your Disco Inferno uh, agenting, I guess you need to check out some future stars of wrestling shows. Oh, okay, is he going to be, is he going to control, it, is he going to contr- agent control your narrative? He feels like a control your narrative guy, Disco Inferno, right? It, it, <laughs> I hope not. Um, but yeah, he's actually one of the trainers there, which is oh, kind of yeah. interesting when you see some of the people they've put out. Like, okay, like okay, that uh, Disco Inferno is trained among other people, Killer Cross and Chris Bay. Okay, that's interesting. So, so, but, like, uh, so he's got an in then already, like a CYN in with Killer Cross. <laughs> that's true okay. yes um uh, which oh okay now i remember what i was getting at how good would zabisco and tenru have been oh my god it would have been incredible it would have been really good uh, and they're ten, both tenru, tenru, in tenru and regal in too we were talking about the zabisco regal feud tenru uh yeah. tenru regal at some point would have been incredible too oh did you see by the way the people were like it wasn't a lot it's like one or two but like replying to my tweet about regal during the paper you like I wouldn't call Regal a famously violent pro wrestler. <laughs> no, somebody said that. <laughs> All okay, I did was sure. reply like, <laughs> I did was reply, um, watch the watch the Finley feud and get you back. You don't need to, to watch the Finley feud. Watch the Ben watch the Benoit matches. Watch him against uh, Shinya Hashimoto. Watch him. I mean, there's plenty of Regal. Watch all the matches he had in NXT when he kind of had semi-retired. Watch him wrestle like Chris yeah. Hero or or Moxley for that matter. Watch him wrestle Danielson. I mean, there's plenty of other things. The, I mean, the, the Finley feud. one's famous, but certainly not the only time Regal whooped the shit out of somebody. No, the Punk feud in WWE was pretty yeah. violent. Yeah, yeah. You know, like he it's it's a through line. Like he wasn't just like I mean, even when he's working more of a technical heel style, he's still he's still more. Uh, how would I put this? He's still more Billy Robinson than Doug Williams. Yeah, he's the the Zabisco matches were really violent. Um, yeah, yeah, there's a lot. Well, Regal's, he, Regal's the goddamn best. <laughs> I was very excited about that. I'm not a, I am not a fan of two. I'm not a Yuta guy or a Lee Moriarty guy, so I'm not particularly excited about those guys being the out of, I mean, I, one of the things I did my rigor article is I listed like 20 guys that they should uh, have Danielson beat up in preparation for this, uh, outside of those guys. Um, Garcia, I think will be good at it, but I don't know. Lee Moriarty and you are either guys that I think of either as being particularly good technical wrestlers or guys who are particularly violent. Well, remember though, part of part of this idea though is that they're teaching them in the ways of violence, so they can be more violent. I mean, the storyline was kind of that Moriarty wasn't as violent, and that Garcia was. So I think I think at least in the way it's gone so far, it's kind of by design. Okay. Kind of. I mean, you know what I mean. But the 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 well, two guys, I guess. The people that I really hope they do sign, one of which has been working some dates for them, and the other has. I, I'd love to see Anthony Henry and Matt Mikowski in that whole mix. Um, Matt Mikowski for sure. Anthony, You're not an Anthony Henry fan. Not an enormous Anthony Henry fan. Uh, I, I, I saw Anthony Henry live uh, relatively recently. Work a tag at one of the. 
Denver Lucha okay, shows yes. where he worked. <laughs> he teamed with uh, he teamed with um, uh, Alex Zane against Parkus Kids, and it was really clear that Alex Zane understood what he was supposed to be doing, and very clear that that Anthony Henry needed to get in his shit in a way that was really inappropriate for the match. And I remember watching that, going, "Yeah, this is kind of my problem with Anthony Henry. <laughs> it's very much the kind of thing he's doing in this match. It's like nobody needs to see you get in all your fucking indie wrestling spots, Anthony Henry. You fake a foul, read the fucking room." Would be my thoughts on that. So it's like I don't know. He gets the he has some moments, but he also has some moments where he's where he gets very Davy Richards e in a way that I'm, I'm just going on. I much prefer his um hit like stuff like the Eddie Kingston match or stuff. Yeah, you know, what what am I forgetting? There's another match I was thinking of. So Anthony Henry's a guy who I. If his worst instincts are controlled a little more, I could see being a useful guy. He's a guy I liked in his couple of WWE matches a fair amount. Um, but oh, I loved I loved the Roger Strong TV match. Yeah, it was great. So he, he's a guy who certainly could have his if if somebody rein him in a bit. But I don't know. He's not. He's not. It wasn't on the list of guys that I suggested. Right. I just think you Mikowski and but you could also. I would rather see somebody. I'd rather see. You know, like uh, Robert Martyr or or uh, or um, well, like Kevin Austin Connolly like or 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 somebody like yeah or um, or Greeny. You know, somebody like that would would be Ooh, I think be yeah. cooler. Yes. I mean, it, it, yes. violence is forever is like the tag team part of that crew. You know, like tearing through. You know, private really bumping private party really violently would be super cool. Them, right, but they exactly. could have a great match with Top Flight or something where they just absolutely massacre those guys and then give them like moments for big high spots and stuff like that. I think they may, those two teams may have even already wrestled each other. But uh, but I'm saying that I think an AEW version of that as like a six minute TV match would be really cool. Oh, you're not gonna you're not gonna no matter what they do with Regal and, and Moxley and Danielson, you're not gonna get complaints from me. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And. They I keep going like this, like I said on Twitter, that like that, that, you know they'll start having Toro Bill as a road agent or something. Yeah, you could, you could, they could get Tadro. <laughs> they could. I don't know if he wants to spend much time outside of Japan. They just, just, just hang out on the too. hang out and hang out in a suit on the. Feels like you get him, or I mean, you know, the, if if you had a spot for a Japanese guy to be mean in a suit, they'd probably give it to Suzuki. But you know, Tenra Fujiwara would definitely be nice in that, that role as well. Japanese dude in a suit looking mean. Yeah. yeah I also I still haven't watched um, the New Japan Anniversary show. I'm kind. Have you yet? Because I am curious to see how Fujiwara and Fujinami looked. Yeah, they look, both looked okay. They looked okay. I mean, obviously, they're both pretty old. And Fujiwara, I think people were really in... At least reading the the comments on that, people were like blown blown away by Fujiwara doing his like Fujiwara headbutts the ring post spot. Like, oh man, mm-hmm. I can't believe that old guy did that. That's crazy. And it was clearly like lots of New Japan fans who had watched a lot of Fujiwara matches. Like Fujiwara does that every fucking match. He, every time he's not working a shoot style match, he throws that into the spot. He's been doing it for twenty five years. For what, so whatever damage he did to his head is long done by now. <laughs> so well, yeah, was, I don't think uh, I don't think the current New Japan fan base is watching a lot of real Japan and show up pro shows. Yeah, yeah. 
They should. They should do that. That's, <laughs> that's better stuff. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I did watch that. I gotta. I guess I, I have to watch some New Japan this week too. I guess they've got the New Japan Cup, so I got to give. Uh, I'll have to give uh, Shingo Ishii a, sh- a spot, a shot. You watch that? That's, I like haven't that. watched that yet. I need to catch up because. Honestly, I feel like New Japan Cup is usually my favorite part of the year in New Japan because you get so many weird singles matches you don't normally get. Yeah, I want to give it a chance. I'd like to get I've been I've gone all American so far in my in my when I've got the slot to write about something that isn't WWE and AEW so far it's been all US stuff. Um so I'd like to find a Jap- Japanese match or a lucha match or something I can write about. Uh so well, far I really haven't found one yeah so i I, I, i'll also i won't say which but i do have access to some of the kayfabe accounts on certain other japanese streaming services yeah i got i got some i got i'll have to see if you i I got i've got some i've got uh, approaches as well you know i I guess we're pretty deep into a podcast so it's not that big of a deal if we start but yeah i got i got i got i got lines on things (laughs) so far there hasn't really been anything i want to watch that i haven't been able to get my hands on to check out I probably am not going to get to see Biff Busick Loki. I don't know what Hog, what, whether Hog is even putting their shows up anywhere. Um, but uh, that's the match this week. Wait, was that the last show or is that the no, next that's, show? No, that's the show on Friday. Uh, they're doing oh, Loki. Jesus, I forgot they were already coming back that quick. Yeah. Okay, Loki, I need Loki, to go to Biff that Busick. show. Then. You should go. It's Loki Biff Busick. That should be really great. I mean, I don't know. I, I, don't... Fr- I had missed, I think, that they made that match. Okay. Yeah, Loki. Oh, yeah, is... and that's also Briscoe's and uh, Lucha Bros, too. Is Phoenix back? Okay, so yeah, that's the other thing I was wondering. Like, <laughs> wait a second. I did, I <laughs> he did wasn't see able that. to work the. I, that's what I remember saying when they announced the match in the first place. Yeah, he didn't work the triple I. I, I don't know. Maybe he's, maybe he's back, or maybe maybe they'll maybe they'll stick a Ken Broadway under a Phoenix mask or something like that. And, have have you been watching any of the Hog stuff lately? Now that they've been doing the fight eye pay per views, I watched uh, I watched Kingston Loki. How was that? Uh, that was pretty good. It had, it had a shitty ending. Uh, okay. it had like a run, it had like a run in by Buddy Buddy Murphy run in, like kind of just in the middle of the match where they were building to something, but they never got a chance to actually go to any sort of finish run. It was like a cool start and then had a run in, and it was so it was a real shitty. Uh, Real shitty use of those two guys. Like, if you're gonna have a run and at least have it come at a, during a finish run, right? At least let mm. them get a you know a two count or something like that. There's kind of middle of the match. He ran in and stopped it, and that was it. So the stuff before he ran in was cool, but it really wasn't. It really I, didn't have any sort of as a match. It didn't really come together in any organic way. Like you, they never got to a point where they started to ramp it up. So it's kind of a bummer. Yeah, I haven't been to any of the post-pandemic hog shows yet for whatever reason, but but yeah, Loki, Loki versus Biff is very interesting. So that that that's one I'll probably check out. Um, yeah, have they announced anything interesting with the uh, the usual hog crew? Like especially your your guys who for whatever reason barely work for other promotions. I don't know. I, I, those are the two matches I saw. Um, but okay. I don't think they're doing. They don't know if they're doing fight. They don't do fight TV, or I don't think they're doing fight TV. What if they do the fight uh-huh. TV? I'll be able to get my hands on it, so I'll be kind of. I'll get to watch it and give that a shot for, for uh, for the for next Monday's column. I hope they do. I'd love to. I mean, I love those both those guys. Loki is Loki. You never know exactly what you're getting from Loki these days, but he still has his moments for sure. 
Uh, no, but that's the type of Loki. match where you expect him to at least wrestle like the old Loki because yeah. he's. I mean, the thing you know, he's he seems like he's relative injury free. Like he, when when he's motivated, he's able to do his stuff. It's just he's doing his stuff, doing his Hitman cosplay that he loves very much. He had a great match against Ninja Mac. What was that? Loco wrestling. It's on YouTube. Okay. It's dope. It's like, you know, I don't know, 14 minutes or something like that. It's really good. Okay. Uh, you know, that lo- sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah, you should go watch it on YouTube. It's great. I mean, Ninja Mac's a guy who's the most, spe- you know, maybe the most spectacular wrestler in the world. So he's always kind of a guy, even when the match isn't 100% coherent, he's like always a guy who's like, holy, he's going to do four things that you're like going to blow your fucking mind. So kind of right, he has a he's, very I mean, blitzkriegy kind of vibe to him. Well, okay, so do you know what his background is? Said that he was like a circus performer or something like that? He was like a high school wrestler turned circus acrobat. Yeah. Yeah. That's a cool That's kind of what he wrestles like. <laughs> that's a cool wrestling uh that's a cool wrestling origin story for sure. I I don't want him to be taking any more like super terrifying chair shots again. Like that. Did you see that one gif of the the tag he did in GCW yeah, where he was like in power bomb position and just got brained? Yeah, I watched that match. <laughs> I watched all the GCW shit. I mean, like I could I made this joke before. I can tell my wife I need to go watch wrestling for my job. So I can, yeah. you know, so it's like, oh, I'll watch the fucking old GCW show. You know, like, I won't, maybe I won't pay 100% attention to every match, but I'll definitely get, give everything at least a, a shot. Um, I know he's wrestling my, our buddy uh, Gringo Loco this weekend. Or my buddy, I don't know if you have a relationship with Gringo Loco. But was, well, he, I mean, I, I, know, I know him a little bit. He, we follow each other on yeah, Twitter. It's my uh, Way of the Blade alumnus Gringo Loco at a singles match this weekend, which has, like, on the on paper possibility of being incredible, right? Because it's the best high flyer in, in the world against maybe against the best base in the world, maybe. Uh, yes. So that could be that could be wild. Could not work too, but I, I think there's at least a chance of it being really, really good. Uh, yes. We are very oh. off. We are very off the rails now. Yes, as, and by the way, the Hog Show is on fight though. Oh, sweet. Okay. Well, then sixteen ninety nine though, which is a little high by indie standards, but whatever. All right. That's just I can write it off on my taxes. Um, well, uh, I mean, I can do that too. But yeah, there still, you go. We both write it off bother. our taxes. <laughs> um, all right, David. Why don't you plug some things? We've gone far away from. Do you have anything more about say about Fujinami Tenro as a, as a closing um, thought? It's a great match. It's a harrowing spectacle. Uh, you know, and if so, people if people haven't seen it. I mean, it certainly doesn't take a lot of your time. Uh, it's not gonna, you don't have to invest a ton of your time in watching it. It is very, very much worth watching, and really does a great job of encapsulating what makes both those guys special wrestlers. I think. And it is on New Japan World, so it's not like it's something people need to hunt down. It's on either. daily daily motion too, right? I mean, you can find it. Well, you know what I mean. Though. Yes, 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 but. Um, I just the other thing really to add that we didn't really talk about is people don't think about this right now, but the issue back then, you know, was dome matches didn't have much heat. And this match does not have that problem. No, I mean, this is the one way to get a lot of heat is is by, you know, shattering the face of an, an icon and a legend. Right. I mean, that'll get you heat. 
And you could, and that was a, I mean, you know, that's a visible, you can watch that blood spray out of his nose from the back row of the Tokyo Dome, right? That is something that it plays to the back rows in the way that, you know, I would imagine it's hard to do. And uh, that's, a, and it's a great, the whole show is great. I mean, I, I, I kind of want to rewatch that. I want to find that Steiner's match. I haven't seen Sasuke uh, Liger in a long time, too, but I imagine that's pretty good. Sasuke was pretty pretty great in that period for sure yeah and you know and, and yes. hakushi uh buddha is a is a one of the great wild spectacles in wrestling history i think uh yes it's if nothing else it's a spectacle that match for sure yeah I, but it's, it, it's a it's an unusually balanced dome show for the era yeah for sure all right well david let's do some plugs all right, between the sheets, uh, you know, available world podcasts are available and between the sheets pod.com. Um, okay, so this comes out Thursday, right? Yes. Okay, so let me make sure I'm getting everything right. Um, okay, so as of when the show comes out, the newest episode covers 1992. We go to the, basically the first week of March. And the big story of the week, which covers basically half the show, is uh, Pat Patterson and Terry Garvin resigning from the World Wrestling Federation as uh, the Titangate allegations are heating up in the pages of the New York Post and elsewhere. So a lot about that. Um, there's actually very little uh, like wrestling WWF news in the week that we cover, but you know, all sorts of stuff in the other sections. Uh, Minnesota Vikings coverage on the radio that Jesse Ventura may be kicked off of it because... Uh, the radio station doesn't like that he's back in wrestling and all sorts of other weird stuff. Uh, Doc and Gordy losing the tag titles on their way out of Alt Japan and into WCW, all sorts of other things there. Uh, plus, oh, early Smoky Mountain TV, too, from their first taping that we go over. And then uh, the show we started recording that will come out this coming Monday uh, is going to cover 1995 with the our dear longtime friend, uh, dear longtime mutual friend, Robert O'Connor, as the guest, you know, from uh, High Spot staff, among other things, and, you know, Ghost of Quinone is on Twitter. And uh, I'm trying to remember, what's the top story? Because we weren't recording that tonight. Uh, oh, lots of stuff about the increase in pay-per-views in wrestling, you know, the in-your-house shows, and the increase in WCW shows that gets announced that week, among other things. Uh is there anything in WCW since we didn't record that yet? Oh, lead up to uncensored, um, among other things. So there's that. And then also, of course, we have our Patreon at patreon.com slash between the sheets, where the main thing is $5 a month gets you on top of the $1 tier stuff, which is access to our Discord chat and, you know, the shout out thanks. $5 tier or, you know, 16% off if you buy a year up front gets you our one deep dive show a month. We've done all sorts of topics. We've been doing these for over five years. Lots of stuff if you're into Paul Heyman bullshit in terms of ECW stuff. We did a big ECW on TNN series, uh, end of ECW, you know, sale of WCW, uh, ECW on pay-per-view, Paul Heyman, Andy Gilbert, and Continental, just tons of different stuff. So that's patreon.com slash between the sheets. And then, uh, at uh, Fanbyte, I should have something coming out about the Adams match this week or early next week because it was suggested to me based basically on the idea that Adam Cole is no longer the NXT Adam Cole 
and uh, have some other stuff coming up there. What did I do? Oh, last week I also had stuff there about uh, the early WWF Shotgun Saturday Night shows, as well as uh, well as the big MJF CM Punk promo and angle. And also I do have a substack at babyfacevheel.com. Haven't updated as much the last few weeks, but got all sorts of funky stuff there. That's mostly you complaining about cancel culture. Well, like right? my other writing. Your sub sure. mostly you just complaining about cancel culture. What kind of what sub oh, no. is? <laughs> oh, oh, I thought you were saying where I thought I, the first I thought you were saying where I cancel culture people, uh, but no, uh, <laughs> no, it's just, just no. There are there are sub stacks that are not complaining about cancel culture and and transing the kids and all yeah, that. Just, there, just, there are other uses for sub stack. It's sub stack where he just says, "Yeah, I understand. You can't call a woman a woman anymore." <laughs> well, okay. So here's the thing, though, with that. I mean. I, it, Based on all the bullshit, I probably would have at one point considered not doing anything there. But if you have any paid subscribers and are based in the U.S., you're eligible for Substack Defender, which is their, like, we will have a lawyer do legal reviews for you and potentially defend you if you get sued program. Oh, that's useful. That's, for me, that, yeah, that's nice to have in the bag if uh, there's something I can't necessarily land at some place that would do that for me. So... All right, I've, as you know, I've, we've, we do Way of the Blade every week. We'll do another one next week. I've please go buy my book at Amazon dot uh, com. I was on the post game show for the Ringer on the AW pay per view, which is available on their uh, pod, uh, Ringer Wrestling Show podcast feed, and um, every week on the Ringer every Monday, I'm doing. Very uh, long uh, reviews of three of the best matches anywhere in the world. So, you know, folks, check that out. And uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of Way of the Blade. 